0: Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. That he comes and he becomes a part of that. It's not that just God shows up and goes, hey, cool, what's going on? No, all of the kingdom comes. There is a presence of the Holy One in his goodness that comes a part of our life, and so... I want to suggest to you today that if you're here and you're struggling with anything in your life, that you would take the time to worship. Don't just pray. Prayer is is a necessity. We need to pray. We need to make our requests known before the Lord. We We ought to always pray and not cease. Can you say amen? But within that prayer, we need to make time to worship him to glorify his name, to recognize his goodness and his kindness, to thank him for what he has already done and that he's about to do. Because there's something in that, there is a dynamic in that, and I don't know if ever on this side of eternity we'll be able to completely explain it, but there is a dynamic in that that releases the kingdom. It releases supernatural kingdom power. And it releases that into our life. It, it begins to move. It, uh, worship will heal. Worship will deliver. Worship will set free. Worship will strengthen. Worship will bring wisdom. Worship will guide you. It will answer questions. There is a revelation that comes in the midst of worship. And that's why we so often talk about participation. That we enter in. You can't. You can't just wait for something to happen. You enter in. You make a decision that says, "I'm going to worship." Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you could turn over to Matthew chapter eight. You don't have to put it on the screen. We'll get there just in a moment. I. But I want to open this sermon. I want to tell you uh, uh, an experience that I had where uh, this came from and why this was inspired. Um, have you ever had a situation in your life where? God just kind of, uh, in a moment of time, just arrests you. He, he, he grabs a hold of you and, and something, there's this encounter, there's a moment to, you know, some call it a moment of clarity or others will call it an epiphany or it's, you know, it's just a moment where God just kind of does a little bit of a download into you or he grabs your attention. And if you've had one of those moments, you'll know what I'm talking about. The other day, this was last week, I think Tuesday of last week, I had one of those moments I had been called uh, to go up to the hospital uh, to pray for a lady there and so on my way to the hospital, I, I go and I'm en I'm route. And as I'm going, I get a couple phone calls about a couple other people that need prayer for healing and, and that God would intervene in their situation. And then I get to the hospital and as I'm going up the elevator, I get another call. And then I get into the hospital where we're in the intensive care room and we pray and we're doing that. And as I leave, I'm leaving and back into the, into the elevator and I get another call. And, and then I get down on the uh, uh, on the uh, first floor and I'm walking actually walking to head to my car and I get another phone call somebody's in the emergency room and I, I said look I, I'm going right there I'm, I'm at the hospital now I'll go and as I'm going to the emergency room I'm just gripped I'm just kind of overwhelmed by God's presence. And, and, and in that, just that flash of time, in that moment, the, these were the words that came to me. This ought not to be. And that, that captured me. This ought not to be. And what I, I believe that to mean, what, what that spoke to me is that, you know, here in just these few minutes, this hour portion of time, hour, hour and 15 minute portion of time, there's seven or eight people that are calling for prayer and healing and they're very desperate and, and some of it is life threatening. And, and in that moment, I feel this, just this intensity where God says, look, I've made provision for this. I've made provision. How many know that the Bible tells us that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly? How many know that? We, we, know, we know the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give life, and I've come to give it more abundantly. And if you do a word study on that, you'll find that the word uh, life there is the word zoe. It's Z-O-E. It's a Greek word that literally means life as God has it. He says, I came to give life as God has it. I came to give life. I came to give you the kind of life that God has. And he says, and that more abundantly or that without measure. He says, I want to give you my life without measure. I want to give you the kind of life I have without measure. And the last time I checked, I've never known God to be sick. Amen. Amen. I've never heard of the heavenly. I've heard of the swine flu. I've heard of the Kingman Crud. But I've never heard of the heavenly flu. Can you say amen? (laughs) And, and so, you know, through salvation, we are the receivers, we are the vessels, we are the object of that love. God poured out his love upon us to give us, and, and that love brings that life, that life that's more abundant, that kind of life that God has. And so, as that's being downloaded in me, I'm, I'm having this moment that says, you know what, somewhere, we need to fight for this. Can you say Amen. <laughs> You know, the Bible talks about the good fight of faith. It tells us that we need to fight the good fight of faith. And in one place in the book of Jude, Jude speaking to the disciples and, uh, of his day, and he says, contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. How many know that there's an enemy that wants to rip us off? And, and if we're not careful, and if we don't draw a line in the sand and, and, and stand firm upon the promises of the word of God, then somewhere along the line what will happen is we will lose out on what God has actually Actually given us. He'll, he'll rip it off. He'll steal it from our lives. Can you say amen? And as I begin to meditate on this, I I, I determined that I was going to preach this weekend on healing, that Christ, our healer, uh, you know, because he is, or Jesus, our healer, because he truly is our healer. Can you say amen? Yeah. And so as I was putting this message together, I came across a story that that I believe captures the uh, uh, essence of how we generally feel about healing. There was a young pastor that was visiting a very sick elderly woman in the hospital. And when he came into her room, he found her gasping for breath and obviously nearing the end of her life. And in the midst of all the tubes and wires and the noise of all the medical machines, the pastor asked the woman, what would you like me to pray for? She says, "I want to be healed." And the pastor gulped in apprehension. Then he prayed, "Lord, I pray for your sustaining presence with this sick sister. And if you will and if it be your will, I pray that she would be restored to health. But if it's not your will, we certainly hope she will adjust to her circumstances. Immediately after the pastor puts an amen on this, extremely safe prayer. The woman opens her eyes, sits up in bed, throws her feet over the side of the bed, stands up, and before the pastor can react, the woman runs to the door, pulls it open, and strides down the hospital corridor. And the last thing that he hears this woman say before she disappears into the rest of the hospital is, look at me, look at me, I'm healed. Now, stunned by the whole thing, the pastor pushes his mouth closed, gets up, and slowly walks down the stairs, out to his car, opens his door, and stops. Looking up into heaven, the pastor says, please don't ever do that again. I really believe this is a fairly accurate and vivid picture of how we feel in general about healing. So often, our prayers for healing end up being a last-ditch proposition, an expression of resignation to fate, hoping that maybe, just maybe, today will be our day. We approach healing like we have entered a game show. Wink Martindale is our game show host. And he says, today could be your day. You have been given an opportunity to spin the big wheel. We've got many bankruptcies on there, but only one healing. But if the Lord is with you today, you may spin that wheel, and today could be your day, and God may choose to heal your life. Let's see how it goes. Right. So you stroll up. Oh, God, I know you can. I know you can do this, God. I know that your ability is there, but God, will you please heal me? And you spin the wheel. Like a contestant on Price is Right, right. hoping the $1 comes up. Oh all the while, wink, quote unquote, the devil is going, I don't know if it's going to happen for you today. After all, you've been a bad boy. You've been a bad girl. You, you haven't really believed, have you? Uh-oh. Now you go, oh, what I've lived it. I've been on that game show. Yeah, you? Amen. Me too. But I'm here today to tell you, and to set the record straight, our God is a healer. Yeah. 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 He is your healer. Yeah. Yeah. He is Jehovah Rapha. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord, our healer. Can you say Amen? There is no doubt about it. There is no exception to it. He is our healer. So with that thought in mind, I want to look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. And the reason I'm looking at this is because I want to draw out one particular point. Starting in verse 1, it says, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached Jesus. He knelt before him worshiping, Lord, the man said, if you want to, you can make me well again. Jesus touched him, I want to, he said, be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Now, F.F. Bosworth, who lived in the early 1900s, late 1800s, wrote a book called Christ the Healer, and the book begins, the first chapter and the first paragraph begins this way, it says, before anyone can have a steadfast faith for the healing of their body, they must rid themselves of all uncertainty concerning God's will in the matter. Appropriating faith cannot go beyond our knowledge of the revealed will of God. Before attempting to exercise faith for healing, we, must need, we, we need to know what the Bible plainly teaches. That is, that just as much as God's willing to heal the soul, he is willing to heal the body. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, there's three things that I want to get straight right from the gate. And I want to make these very clear. First and foremost, God is a good God. He is always good. There's never a time when his goodness is in question. He is... Who he says he is. And who he says he is, is his promise to what he intends to do in our life. Secondly, sin and Satan, flesh and hell, have fouled up what God's intended process is for mankind. And third, you and I who are the redeemed, who have received God's gift of life in Christ are guaranteed the fullness of all that Jesus has provided for. Amen. Amen. You need to understand those three things. You need to understand that. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says this, For all the promises of God, of God in him are, yes... And in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. What does that mean? That means that every promise listed in the Bible, which healing is one of them, God has already said yes. He's already said yes. He said yes and amen. Will you heal my body? Yes. Will you heal my leg? Yes. Will you deliver me of this sickness? Yes. So be it. That's what that scripture means. Every promise, every word that God spoke receives the yes of God. Can you say amen? Amen. That's why we must rid ourselves of the image of God as a frowning God, brooding in anger, perched on the ledge of a 10-mile high cliff, ready to hurl a quiver of lightning bolts at the unexpecting helpless people below. We need to see the beauty of the Father. Amen. Because the beauty of the Father was so perfectly mirrored in Jesus that Jesus said this in John fourteen nine, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God is good. God does good. He can't even be tempted to do bad. Can you say Amen. amen. And because of his goodness, it is therefore his will to heal and to deliver the sick and the tormented. Listen to me, let me make a statement. I'm going to use a very particular word. It's a very short word. It can be a complicated word for us to get a hold of, but it's a short word and it's the word all. (laughs) All sickness and all pain... Are against his will. I'm going to say it again. All sickness, all pain are against his will. Whatever you're going through currently at this moment as I speak, as far as it relates to sickness or pain, is against his will. Here's the problem. Because we are unsure about God's will in the matter, we often qualify our requests for healing, just like the man in the text. Whenever we're sick, most of us will pray some derivative of what this man said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me whole. See, because we don't ever question the ability of God. God's ability is not in question. We understand it and we are assured of it. We as Christians know that God is able. He can do anything. He is all powerful. There is nothing too difficult for him. There is no mountain too high, an ocean too wide. He can do it all. He is able. But oftentimes we question, will he? Will he? We know he's able to heal. Yet for some reason, we never quite come to a place where we're sure if Christ wants to heal us. And it can be for a variety of reasons. We can say things like this, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'm sick like this because God wants to teach me something. <sighs> what a cruel parent he would be. Yes. Yes. Speaking as a father... I have never used sickness or disease to get my point across to my children. Maybe maybe I brought this on myself. Maybe, well, you could have. Maybe you did. But God will never allow my failure to be punished by something he paid for. We could ask, well, what was this man in the, our text? What, why did he have leprosy? If it's God's will to heal, then why, why was he sick? What's going on? See, here's the problem with Christians. We're asking the wrong questions. Because look, at it doesn't really matter why he is sick. If the Bible, if God thought that it mattered why he was sick, I am sure he would have told us. The truth is, the reason we don't know is because it just doesn't matter. What really matters is what the scriptures reveal about healing. Over 200 times in the New Testament alone, the Bible talks about and deals with healing. In the book of Matthew alone, in 28 chapters, there are 22 separate examples of Jesus' healing. And in, in those 22, there are five examples where the term He healed them all is used in one form or another. Now we need to get our mind around that. We need to see that because God was not bashful to communicate to you and I as the children of God that his intention, that his will is to heal. Look at Matthew chapter four, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all, there's that pesky word, manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Now, the interesting thing about these words, sickness and disease, these words, literally sickness here, this word in this particular verse, and there's other verses, this word sickness literally means something that is an annoyance. It's small. It's not unto death. But this word disease means terminal illness. So it doesn't matter if it's a scraped knee or cancer. God said he healed it all. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17 says, When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word. And he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Once again, here's that comparison between that which is not unto death and that which is terminal. Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 and just Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Luke 4:40 says now when the sun was setting all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Luke chapter 6, verse 17 and 19 says, And he came down with them and stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem, and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him, and to be healed of their disease. And they were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, and the whole multitude such to, sought to touch him. for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. The Greek word for all means this, everything, everyone. He healed them all. Now we could go on and on talking about Jesus healing the sick, but there is not enough time. The point is one of the fundamental demonstrations of Jesus's ministry was and is healing A mark of the New Testament is everywhere the gospel is preached, people are being healed. (laughs) Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And no doubt, you know, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now listen, nothing's changed. If Jesus, the same Jesus that healed then is the same Jesus that heals today, Jesus has not changed the program. This is what he began both to do and to teach. He has passed it off on to us that we teach it and do it. Can you say Amen? And Hebrews chapter three, verse eight, or thirteen, verse eight says, "Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed the plan. It is still in effect." Can you say Amen? amen. Our God is a healing God. His very name declares it but it goes further than that. Healing this morning is deeply interwoven into the plan of God so that it is literally a part of our redemption. Healing church is a part of salvation. And I need you to catch this. Isaiah 53 Verses 4 and 5 says these words, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. Now there's a couple things in this, in this passage of Scripture. This is a prophecy concerning Jesus that He fulfilled... But there's a couple things we need to see. The first thing is verse 4. This is the picture of the scapegoat and what you need to understand is back in the Old Testament, back in the day, oftentimes what priests would do in villages and cities at the time of sacrifice is they would take the sacrificial lamb, they would sacrifice it unto the Lord, they would take the blood of the lamb and they would apply it to the goat. They would confer through prayer all the sin of that season from that village onto that goat and they would send the goat out into the wilderness and that's where we get the scapegoat. This is the imagery that is being drawn here. Jesus, the Bible says, he bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. He becomes our scapegoat. But you need to understand this word sorrow literally means affliction and pain. It's telling us that he carried our affliction and our pain. This word grief literally means disease and sickness. We know that because in Matthew chapter 8 verse 17, Matthew quotes Isaiah that it might be fulfilled Which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Once again, here's that word infirmity, which talks about frailty, weakness, sickness, not unto death, and then sickness, which is translated into terminal illness. He took it, he bore it, he carried it, and he carried it away from the camp. He took it away from me. Can you say amen? In Isaiah 53, God declares that the price of our healing would be paid by the stripes that were laid upon his back. In 1 Peter 2.24, the apostle Peter quotes Isaiah 53... Verse 5, and he told his readers, by whose stripes you were healed. Now, there's some there's some wording that people call semantics, but I think it's God's intention. In Isaiah 53, 5, you are healed. In, Isaiah, in Peter 2:24, you were healed. In, in other words, in the New Testament, after it was done, it was done, can you say amen? It was over. You were healed. As far as God is concerned, you're healed. The word stripes... In this verse is a Greek word that describes a full body bruise. It refers to a terrible lashing that drew blood and produced a discoloration and a swelling of the entire body. And when Peter wrote this verse, he's not going by revelation. He is looking back and remembering vividly what he saw when he saw Jesus being crucified. And he saw the physical appearance and what he looked like after the beating. And as he sees that image, he graphically reminds us of the beating, the bleeding, the bruising. But then he jubilantly, with joy, with happiness, declares it was those stripes, it was that action that brought our healing. Now here's the thing, if it is not God's will to heal all the time, Then our God acted in insanity. He paid a price for something he never intended to collect. Jesus submitted to the cross. He says, No one takes my life, I lay it down. Get that right. You got to get that right. This was not God being overwhelmed and somehow he worked his way through it. It was God following through with his plan. He says, I'm going to submit this to, to this scourging, to this beating, to this crucifixion, because this is going to pay for their healing. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to make a way. The word healed clearly refers to physical healing. It's a word, this word healed, you were healed by his stripes, you were healed, is, this word is borrowed from a medical term which means specifically physical healing or curing of the human body. And for those that think this promise refers to only a spiritual healing, the Greek word emphatically speaks of healing a physical condition. This is the real promise of bodily healing that belongs to all of our lives Jesus' body was broken as payment and guarantee of our healing Jesus willfully submitted he willfully became sin he who second Corinthians 5:21 he who knew no sin became sin for us <laughs> I just had a revelation. This is good, man. This is hot off the press right here. 2 Corinthians. This is not even notes. You're getting freebie right now. 2 Corinthians 521. Think about this. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we've always applied that to a spiritual sense. See, I'm saved and therefore I'm made righteous. Well, I, I would submit to you that righteousness to the spirit, I am in right standing with God. I've been made right, just as my spirit being right before Him glorifies Him. My body being healed is righteousness physically. Amen. Amen. It's right. It's right. Man, when you're when the hair on the back of your neck stands up when you're preaching, that's good stuff right there. I can't. I love that. Holy cow, I like, somebody, Jeff, write that down. Somebody's got to write that down. (laughs) God healed us. He willfully paid the price. So as I bring this to a close, I'm going to ask Jason to come, if he would, and just begin to play some music. This is what you and I must understand. Healing is not a secondary thought that was brought about because theologians somewhere were able to manipulate scripture. Right. Healing is not some fringe benefit. It was then and is now one of the primary missions and ministries of Christ in the lives of men. Amen. Yes, it is. Are you hearing me? Amen. I want you to listen to this. There's a unique verse of scripture in John chapter 3, verse 14. We know John 6, 3, 16, but we don't always know the verses around it. It says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's interesting because it's like, what does that mean? So we go all the way back to this story of Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness in Numbers 21. We know the story we know that the children of israel had gotten into complaining and they're talking about god and moses and they're belly aching and griping and they're walking in fear and they're just you know basically in rebellion and the bible says that god sends fiery serpents that their actions that that this griping this complaining this this negativity this 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 dynamic creates this thing where fiery serpents come and the bible says that people were getting bit many of them were dying and we pick up that story in numbers 21 7 through 9 it says therefore the people came to moses and said we have sinned for we have spoken against the lord and against you pray the lord that he take away the serpents from us So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now the implication of that is, is that these people are caught up in sin sin brought a definite result how many know that sin will bring a definite result and in this case that definite result was these fiery serpents that are biting them and killing them there's consequence to sin and this was the consequence they had were embroiled in this sin but moses prayed and god says i have a solution put this snake on the pole and lift it up in the air. And everybody that looks at it will be healed. They'll, they'll live. The implication of that word live is that they first must be forgiven so they may be healed. They're forgiven of their rebellion. They're forgiven of their conversation. They're forgiven of all these words that they've said. And they are healed so that they may live. Well, John tells us that just like Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And it is my declaration to you that if we will look back to the cross of Calvary, to look back to the beaten, uh, 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 bruised, uh, bleeding Christ who is hanging before heaven and earth and understand that he submitted to that torture and to that crucifixion, that we may be healed. That when we look upon that and understand that that was done for us and willfully so, that it is in fact God's will to heal my life. And that through that observation, understanding and meditating on the fact that my God paid the price, not just to forgive my sins, but to heal my body, that I can walk in life and health and wholeness. That he is the author of divine life. He is the author of divine health. And he is the author of divine healing. And healing was never used to guide my life. You can look at all of Paul's perils and not one will you find him say I was sick. He was perils as a brother and perils of this and perils of that, perils of this, all this stuff going on. But somewhere health was his and every time there was a physical challenge, he took it to the Lord. Many will tell you that the thorn in his flesh that he talks about in 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 was some sort of physical ailment, but I submit to you the thorn in the flesh was imagery that was borrowed from Numbers 33 verse 55 where it says, if you don't drive out all the inhabitants of the land, they will become thorns in your flesh and irritants in your eyes. And he draws this imagery and he says this, he says, I have an irritation that was delivered to me that's hindering me. But God said, my grace, is sufficient for you. My strength, my ability, is for you. Many say that he never got his prayer answered. I say, grace was his answer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Man, there's a lot. I, I, I okay. Matthew chapter eight. Our our text. Large crowds followed Jesus. Came down the mountainside suddenly a man with leprosy at the time this was the worst case this was the worst case scenario approached jesus he knelt before him and worshiped lord the man said if you want to you can make me well jesus touched him and said i want to i want to and he said be healed and instantly the leprosy disappeared Church, I declare to you today that healing is something that is absolutely provided for us. It's ours, he made made a way and he gave it to us freely. And he expects us to freely give in return. But there's a couple things that that I think that we need to pay attention to. And that's one is, is this is one of those dynamics where this requires some fight This is not something that we can passively just go along with. We have to draw a line in the sand and stand on it and say, I don't care what my symptoms say. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what my experience says. The word of God says that I'm healed, period. Everything else is a lie. There's scripture on it. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Somewhere we've got to come to that conclusion and we've got to lay it down and we've got to be violent about it. Talking with Pastor Howie, he says you've got to get good and mad. We have to settle the issue and we have to fight. Contend for the faith. Contend for it, fight for it. It's his will. God is not wishy-washy. He is not up in heaven going, well, uh, you know, we've had a lot of healing this week. I think we're just, you know, we've kind of hit our limit. Everyone, all of them, every disease, scraped knee, terminal cancer, healed. It's interesting, though, because maybe we'll get into this later on in other sermons, but it's interesting when you study the word healed, this this word, this particular word, it actually talks about the process of getting better day by day by day. Part of the problem is, is we live in an instant society, and so what we're really believing for is those instantaneous miracles, and there is no doubt we should, because our God is a miracle worker. But let me tell you something today, whether it's medical intervention or the process of daily getting better, It is not second-class healing. All of it comes from the Lord. I thank God for doctors and hospitals and medical professionals that can help me. Oral Roberts put it this way one day, he says, you know what doctors do? Doctors help what natural processes can't. And when they can no longer help the natural process, God comes in with the supernatural. I love that. Because for so often, we've kind of downplayed what doctors do. But let me tell you something, the knowledge, the good knowledge, the understanding of that comes directly from God. And so church, whether you're being administered to by a doctor or whether you're standing in faith for a miracle, let me tell you something, it is our God who is the healer. Can you say amen? And we've got to settle that issue. So this morning, what I want to do before we go, we're not going to take a long time to do this. i I, this is one of those things where we've got to we kind of like peter we're gonna have to step out of the boat a little bit here you're gonna have to be a wet water walker today you might get out of the boat and only get a couple steps and you might start to sink but let me tell you something jesus will be there and immediately you'll be on the other side he said so today if you're here and you're you're struggling with a sickness a disease whether it is unto death or whether it is terminal does not matter it is irrelevant i don't care if you have a scraped knee or if you have something that the doctors have given up on our god is the great physician he is the healer and so i want you to come forward today i want you to come up to this altar i want you to come right up to the front and i want you to fill in all across this place and i want you to stand here because we're going to believe god with you and it's only take a moment we'll be out of here in just a few moments so don't worry about that i want you to come quickly Maybe you have a a friend or a neighbor or somebody in your family that you want to stand in for. Maybe they're not here today. Maybe they're in another city, another state, another place. I want you to come. Maybe they're in the hospital. Maybe there's all kinds of... Come, stand in proxy. Just fill in all over. You could come in both sides. Just fill in. We're we're not going to take a lot of time in this, but we're going to believe God. We're going to believe God. Hallelujah. He is our healer. Yes, ma'am. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Our God is a healer. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to, I want you to lay your hand on whatever part of your body is is afflicted. If you can, if you can't, that's okay. But I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to cry out to God. Ask him, say, Father, will you heal me? Will you heal me? Will you do this? Will you do this, Father? And then believe that he's willing to do it. Believe that he has healing for you that it's done father right now in jesus name i pray for every person standing in this altar area i pray god over all sickness and disease and pain i bind you right now and i command you to lose your hold you are a distraction you are alive This pain this sickness this disease has been carried away from me Jesus on the cross took it from me he bore my pain he carried my disease and my sickness he paid the price for my healing so right now Lord I release that healing power Lord that healing power that sets free that every body would be healed right now every sickness every disease in the name of Jesus all pain relieved in the name of Jesus and father we receive that right now. We receive it, Lord, and we pray for those that are not here. Father, we pray that your power would reach out. We send the word according to your word. And in Psalms 107.20 says you sent your word and you healed them. Jesus, you are the word that was sent. So we send that word to them to heal them. Psalms 103.3 says that you forgive all our iniquities and you heal all of our diseases. Father, we thank you, Lord, that it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 2 that the spirit of the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ sets me free from the law of sin and death. Lord, you caused the law to be higher. Lord, a higher law that overrides uh, the law of my flesh, uh, the law of sin and death. And Father, right now, I release that law into my body. Lord, into my body in the name of Jesus. You said in verse 11 of Romans 8, if the spirit of God, the, if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in me, then the spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall quicken or make alive my mortal flesh in the name of Jesus right now we declare it we stand upon it we receive it and we give you the glory for it in the name of Jesus worship his name right now tell you love him God we thank you Jesus we glorify you we magnify you Lord we thank you today God we bless your name we bless your name now here's what I want you to do you're gonna go home today And here's what I want you to do. Number one, I want you to resist the temptation to put your eyes on the symptoms. Just go, I don't care. I don't care what the symptoms say. Don't care. I thank you. Offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Jonah was still in the belly of the fish when he thanked God for his deliverance. He said, you know what? Thank you, God. You've delivered me. Well, up to that point, he's still being digested. And it was through that sacrifice of thanksgiving that opened the fish's mouth and he found himself up on the beach. And so I say to you, thank him because it is done, far as God's concerned, far as heaven's concerned. It's done. Resist the questions why? Reque- re- resist the questions of what brought this about. It's irrelevant, who cares? And listen Psalm 91 says, though a thousand fall on your right hand and 10,000 on your left. It shall not come nigh you. Stop comparing your situation with other people's situation. You are different. We don't know what's going on in those people's lives. So whatever afflicted them is irrelevant to you. You pay attention to you and what God spoke to you. And then put your eyes upon Jesus. You are my healer. You are my deliverer. You are my savior. You have paid the price for me. Can you say amen to that? Watch for the process of healing. Watch for creative miracle. Watch the hand of God this week, today, and then report to us what God has done. For we shall lift his name. We shall call him healer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Praise God. God, you're so good. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, do you feel his presence? The Bible says his presence was there to heal. This morning, we've already had reports of people being healed in the first service. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just give you the glory. And we thank you. Amen. Well, praise God. This morning, we're going to release you from this place. We want you to go today in the knowledge of the victory that you are healed can you say God bless you we'll see you next week have a great day thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast we can't wait to see you next week